Turn in your Bibles to Genesis 28. 28. So flip over there. This is where we're we're going to we're going to start. We're continuing our study of the patriarchs, and I love the study, y'all. There's just so much in this. The book of Genesis gives the lives of four great people: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We began looking into the life of Abraham, and we saw five lessons on Abraham. And then we went to Isaac, and Isaac is called the quiet man, or the you know the the man that just kind of overlooked because we only really had one real lesson on Isaac, even though he's in there and he's talked about here and he's talked about here. We're, we're basically going now into the like of Jacob. And so tonight we, we're continuing our study and we're seeing the life of Jacob. Now, think about it. God, God is called the God of Jacob more than anyone else in the whole Bible. And you'd say, well, wouldn't he ought to be God of Abraham because Abraham was so great or God of David or something. But he's the God of Jacob more than any other title. Jacob is the father of the nation of Israel. The 12 sons of Jacob of the, are the 12 tribes of Israel. It's just so amazing. So tonight we're going to see Jacob begins a journey, a new life, a new life. And we, had, we could almost say, gee, I hope his old life has passed away, but it hadn't yet. Hadn't yet. We'll see how that ties together. And we're going to see that he goes to Haran, back to where his folks are from, back to where Abraham and his family was from, uh, to find a wife. And so here's some questions that we want to just kind of raise and think about. What will God do for Jacob? We're going to see the dream. How many of you ever heard of, uh, I'm climbing Jacob's ladder? We're going to see the ladder tonight, right? What is it? Well, Jacob's ladder, what is it? And then second, what is the contrast between Jacob and Esau? We'll see that. Then who is Laban and his daughters? By the way, we'd already known him. Who is Laban? He, he is Rebecca's what? Brother. So for Jacob, it's going to be Uncle what? Uncle Laban. Right? And then what is the principle of sowing and reaping. And so we're going to see all of that as we go through tonight. There's, there's so much stuff. So, so let's start and look at it. First of all, sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he shall reap. For the one who sows to the flesh, he, what does he get? Corruption. One who sows to the Spirit, what does he reap? Eternal life, life, eternal life. Eternal life, there is a quality of life, not necessarily a, a, a distance of life, even though it's implied there. So there's this principle that whatever you put in, what? You get out. And, and so that's, it's a great truth from the Word of God. And if we do good, we reap what? Blessing. If we do bad, we reap corruption. And so how we live has results. Flesh is corruption, spirit, uh, spirit is life, eternal life. And we see this so plainly. In the like of Jacob, the head of the tribes, the fathers of the twelve sons, he he at this point is called a deceiver. That's what it means. His name Jacob means to grab by the heel. It means to trip up, and and so he he's a trickster. He's already tricked his uh, tricked his brother out of his birthright. And and listen, he he didn't have to do that. When Esau came in and said, "I'm starving," Esau didn't say, "I'll give you my birthright." Uh, Jacob said, sell me your birthright. He'd been thinking about this. He knew what he was doing. And so you could say, well, he was so hungry, he deserved it. Okay, be not deceived. God is not mine. Whatever you put in, you're going to get back. And what we're going to see, Jacob the deceiver gets deceived. Does that sound familiar? I mean, here's what's going to happen. It's amazing truth from God's Word, and we're going to see it. And, let, and, and, and there's just so much there. And um, let's sort of remember for a second where we are 
what's happened. The last time Isaac was old and blind, and he said, I'm old and blind, and I'm going to die, and I want to bless my son Esau before I die. So Esau, I want you to go out and get all get some food like you always cook, you know, get for me. Come back in, and I will bless you. Jacob and Rebecca. Rebecca heard it. She said, that's wrong. She should have gone to him and said, honey, we know what God said. The older will serve the younger. The blessing goes to Jacob. But she didn't do that. They got together and tricked him and said, you put on Esau's clothes. You put hairy stuff all over you so you look hairy. You're going to go in there. I'll cook some food. He'll think it's Esau. He will bless you, but he's really blessing you. And that would be wonderful. That's what they said. Now, it's hard to have wonderful things when there's no truth being told and when there's tricksters being told. And Jacob uh, Jacob lied and pretended to be Esau and stole the blessing. Was the blessing supposed to go to Jacob? But is that how he is supposed to get it? No. And so they wanted the right thing, but they did it in the wrong way. Now, I want you to go back to chapter 27 and go to verse 41. Let me just read something to you as we look at it. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. Now you can imagine, if you're Esau, do you, you might feel right to have a grudge. First of all, it's your fault that you're so hungry and you can only see for one day ahead and you, and you basically sold your birthright. But you didn't have anything to do with this. You, you, you may have been told that your brother is supposed to get all the blessing. You may have been told that. Maybe told that by your mother, probably not told that by your father. So who knows what he knew. But it says this, So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. Esau said to himself, Hmm, the days of mourning for my father are near. When he dies, I will kill my brother Jacob. Now we talked about that. His plan was, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. That's what's going to happen. So notice it says, verse 42, now when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, somehow told, somebody told her. He said this to himself. But you know what? He may have gone and told somebody else too. And you know, it's real easy to think of something and then tell somebody else and say, you know, one of these days I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him for what he did. When my father's dead, I'm going to get him. And, and so the words came back to Rebekah. She sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. <laughs> Don't you know Jacob felt great about that? He basically saying, your, your brother's going to kill you when he gets the chance. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. You know what he could say is, Mama, the last time I obey your voice, we're in trouble, Right. And, and so I don't know if I could keep listening to you, but she said, Son, obey my voice, arise and flee to Haran to my brother Laban. That's Uncle Laban. Let's go. It's a long way. Go back. Go back to where I'm from. Uh, stay with him. How long? A few days until your brother fury subsides. Now, let me tell you something. We're going to see it later on. How long was he there? 20 years, at least. So it wasn't a few days. And guess what? Mama will never see him again. She'll never see him again. Pretty sad. What do you think? Is this sad? She's thinking, I'm going to send him off for a few days, get everything calmed down, he'll come back. That's not what happened. It says, stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides, and he forgets what you did to him. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Does Esau forget? How do you know? 
I'm not going to say anything until we get to the passage of Scripture which deals with this. And you see what, what you think happens. Uh, until your brother's anger against you subsides, for he forgets what you did to him, then I will sin and get you from there. Why should I bereaved of you both in one day? Wow. Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm tired. So now, here's what we got. So it's all been out. Rebecca found out all about what's going to happen. So she says, oh me, what am I going to do? How am I going to tell, how am I going to tell Isaac that Jacob needs to leave? What could I come up with? What could I come up with? What does Jacob's mother want? She She says this. Rebecca said to Isaac, I am tired of living. I'm just going to die. Why? Because of the daughters of Heth. I thought I was all these foreign women here. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? You know what she says? I could just die. Why, honey? Because I don't want my son, I don't want our son to marry one of these foreign women. Guess what? Esau's already married a foreign woman. In fact, he already has two of them. We'll see it later. So... But she doesn't really care about that. She's saying, okay, honey, <clears throat> I think it's, I don't want, I don't want him to marry one of these foreign women. She didn't want him to take a wife of that. But what's the real reason? That she didn't want him to get killed by his brother. So she went to Isaac, and what is she doing? She's what? Telling what she's, yeah, and she's lying again, right? Mm-hmm. We don't even know whether she cared who he married. But we know this, she's saying, I don't want him. She's saying, Isaac, I would just die if he has to marry one of these women around here. Can, let's send him back to my family, back to Laban and everybody, and then he can get a wife from there. And so that seems to be the plan. And so we end chapter 27, basically with Rebecca telling Isaac he needs to go back. So here's what we're going to see. As we look through tonight, we're going to see, first of all, Jacob's encounter, and we're going to see what happens here. It happens with Isaac, and it happens with God. And then we're going to see that he meets, is meeting Rachel and Laban. That's Uncle Laban, and he doesn't know Rachel yet. He doesn't know who she is. He doesn't even know she exists, but it won't be long. He will. And then we're going to see the wedding, and all weddings are so fun, aren't they? Well, we'll see. So what is going to happen that's the big three things we're going to look at as we go through the passage. Does everybody get it written down? I'm not going to change it yet. But basically the big three, the encounter meets Rachel and Laban and the wedding. Okay? And so let's start with Jacob's encounter. Look at chapter 28. Look at verse 1. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Now listen, was that a smart thing? Yeah, I mean, he needs to go back to the relatives. He doesn't need to, to take a wife from those people around there. Why did God say that the Jewish people should not intermarry, especially with the Canaanites? Okay, they were wicked and pagan, and they had false gods, and they worshipped all things. And what would happen if they married and intermarried into this group? They would do the same thing, and they did it. That's exactly what they did, by the way. So he calls, and I want you to see two things here, two things. There is going to be a blessing and a charge, a blessing and a charge. And the charge is going to come first, okay? So blessing and charge, and we're going to see what it is. And so he, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him 
and charged him. So there they are, the blessing and the charge. And he said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. He gives the charge first. What's the charge? Don't take a wife from the Canaanites. That's the charge. That's the charge. Not to take a wife from the Canaanites. And, that, and that's nothing wrong with that. That's actually pretty smart. These were the pagan people, and Isaac wanted him to marry from their own relatives. But we're going on, and he's got this plan, and so look what he says in verse 2. Arise and go to Padanamram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. And from the, By the way, when we, we talk about it, does any mention when they're there about Bethuel? <laughs> I mean, last time that they, the servant went all the way over there, who did they talk to? They talked to Laban. Bethel may be dead. We don't know. But he says, Go to Panoram to the house of Bethel, your father, mother's father, and from there take to yourself a wife from, look, from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So he says, Go back there, find Laban, check out one of his daughters, and marry one of them. And that would be the plan. And so he's supposed to go, he's supposed to go to Bethel to Rebecca's, and we could say Rebecca's father, but it's the family of Rebecca because we think that Bethuel's probably dead. So here they go, and they get ready to go. Look at verse 3. Watch what he does. Now, what this, he's already given the charge. What's the other thing we're going to see he's going to do? You mean, you mean he's going to bless him? What did he want to do? He wanted to bless Esau, but what's he fixing to do? I think he's learned his lesson. Watch. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may possess the land of your sojourns which God gave to Abraham. What does he talk to him about? He says, may God bless you. What is the ble- By the way, what is the blessing? Land seed blessing. What did Jay Isaac get? Land seed blessing. You know what he just told him? Land seed blessing. He just told him the same thing. Notice. May God Almighty bless you. There's the blessing. Make you fruitful and multiply you. That's the seed. May he give you the blessings of Abraham to your descendants and you may possess the what? The land. There's the land, the seed, the blessing right there. That was the blessing he was supposed to bless earlier. And now he's finally done it in real life, so to speak. So may God do that. This is the blessing. God Almighty. By the way, uh, in this passage in verse 3, when he says, May God Almighty bless you, that's, guess what? That's El Shaddai. That's the name, El Shaddai. May El Shaddai bless you. And so he says, May he bless you and give you many children. And then he goes on in verse 4 and says, May you have the blessing of Abraham. What was the blessing of Abraham? Land, seed, blessing. What's the blessing of Isaac? Land, seed, blessing. What's now the blessing of Jacob? Land, seed, blessing. You understand that the whole idea of the blessing is from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And then there's going to be the 12 tribes that come out from that. And so the blessing of Abraham, he is passing on the blessing. I want you to think about it. The blessing is, is what? There's the blessing, the offspring, the land. It all goes back, and, and you don't have to, uh, under Genesis 12 right here, the three things, the land was Israel, the seed was the offspring, and ultimately the Messiah. And the blessing is that all the world be blessed through the Messiah. You understand that Abraham 
God said, there's a land for you. We called it Israel. There is a seed for you. They call them Jews. But there is from that Jew, the Messiah. And then there's the blessing, which the whole world will be blessed. How can the whole world be blessed through Abraham? The Messiah comes. How can the whole world be blessed through Isaac? Messiah comes. How can the whole world be blessed through Jacob? The Messiah comes. They all three get the land, the seed, and the blessing. It's passed down all the way. So look what he says again. May God Almighty bless you. There's a blessing. Fruitful and multiply. That's the seed. May he give you the blessing of Abraham and your descendants, and you possess the land. Land, the seed, and the blessings. Wow, it's so powerful. And so Jacob is going to leave. And 28, <clears throat> are, y'all, are you ready to keep going? Okay, 28, yes or no? Yeah, okay, 28 verse 5. Then Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Pandamaram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, I mean, the brother of Rebekah and the mother of Jacob and Esau. So he's gone. He's going there. And uh, I put down that Jacob will be gone for over what? 20 years. 20 years. Years. In chapter 27, verse 44, what did she say? Stay with him a few days, 20 years. That's a long time, isn't it? You know, I mean, when you get old, 20 years doesn't seem very long. But when you're young, 20 years, you know, is maybe your lifetime. You know, you're 21. You think 20 years is a long time. You're 60 or 70, 20 years is not that long. But still, for him to be gone, and she's thinking it's just going to be a short time until he comes back. And everything will blow over, and everything's going to be all right. And Jacob goes, and she dies before he gets back. She'll never see him again. Do you think that... That could be some kind of consequences for what they did. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's possible. Who knows? Who knows? He's going to be gone for a long time. What is going to be the response? What did Esau do? Look at verse 8. Oh, but yeah. So uh, let, me, let me read to you again. It says, now, verse, starting at verse 6. Now Esau saw Isaac had blessed Jacob. He didn't like that. Sent him away to Pandamaram to take for himself a wife from there. And that when he blessed him, he charged him and said, Do not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother, and he'd gone. Esau saw the daughter of Canaan displeased his father. He said he knew his father would be upset if you marry one of the Canaanite women. By the way, he's already married one, but look what happens here. And Esau went to Ishmael and married beside the wives that he had, Mahalalah, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Naoboth. Listen, if you remember, there's J- Abraham and Ishmael had kids. He had all kind of family going out this way. So Esau goes over and marries one of his, his daughters. But he's already got people that he married from around there, which had already displeased his father, and he knew this would displease his father. But guess what? He didn't care. Okay, now... We're starting to realize that Esau is not as great as we thought, right? I mean, Esau is pretty worldly. Esau said, I'll give up my birthright for a thing of stew. He's, he's mad because he wants to kill his brother because of what he did. He knew that his daddy didn't want him to marry anybody from there, so he goes out on purpose and marries somebody from down there. So he's already had, in chapter 26, verses 34 and 35, he's already got Canaanite wives. So he's already done wrong. 
And, and so, and so in spite, he marries another one. Uh, how do we respond when we see something's wrong or right? You know, sometimes things go wrong, and that just makes us want to do even more wrong. I mean, that's what he does. And so now Jacob is leaving. And, and I think about Jacob. How would you feel? You've lived your life as a peaceful man, an intelligent man. Your mama, uh, you, you, you're, you're a trickster. I mean, in the sense is, you know what you want, and you know how to get it. And so you tricked your brother out of his birthright. And you tricked everybody, your mama helping you, out of the blessing. And now, you now find out your brother wants to kill you. And your mother says, you better leave for a while, go out there, find somebody, come back. And your daddy says, I'm, I'm giving you the blessing which I should have given you. I don't want you to marry from anybody around here. I want you to go to Uncle Laban and marry somebody there. So you're on your way. You think... I'll go out there, I'll do like the servant did that I knew about from my daddy, that the servant went out there, found a woman, brought him back, got married. I'm going to go out there for a short while, find a woman, and come back. And by that time, my brother will probably not be mad at me anymore. So let's see what happens. And so Jacob gets ready to leave. And what we're going to see is Jacob's encounter with God, and we're going to see God reminds Jacob of the covenant and blessing. Guess what God's going to tell Jacob? That's what he's going to tell him. Same thing. It never changes. It never changes. And we're going to see how Jacob responds. On one hand, Jacob's a man of prayer. On the other hand, he's a con man. And so here's what happens. Look at verse 10. Then Jacob departed from, from Beersheba, that's race south in Israel, and went toward Haran. He's going back toward that, toward that Tigris-Euphrates River. And here's the, kind of the map. They've been, they've been living in, they started living in this area. There's different places. They'd come all the way down to Beersheba. And now he leaves, and he's going all the way back. To Haran. If you remember, Abraham grew up way down here in Ur of the Chaldeans, where the Tigris and Euphrates River come together, and he traveled all the way up to here until his relation, his dad died, and after his dad died, he came all the way down in here. So now his son is making the long trip back, and we're going to see what happens. Yes. Yeah, the, there is, my uh, uh, mind's blank, Abimelech. Uh, well, the Philistines, we talked about this. The Philistines are called the, the sea people. And some people think they came from the island of Crete. And they came and they landed in this area right here. And not the, no, there's northern parts, Tyre and Sidon. And you get down here and there's towns like Gath and those. And this is where the Philistines lived, in this part. And at this stage, Israelites are not a threat. There's only... Abraham and Sarah did. There's only Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob who are actually Israelites. Now, not counting all the people that they had with them. So the Philistines, Abimelech, we've seen Abimelech and either Abimelech as a real old man or Abimelech as his son with the same name has gotten on to Abraham and Isaac because they, they did stupid things when they were there. So at this stage, Philistine people who live in this area, which are called the Sea People, uh, 
they're not a threat. Israel's not a threat to them, and they're not a threat to Israel. But by the time you get to much further up, and Saul and David, and all that, they are the enemies of the Israelites. So he's gone all the way back to Haran. And, but, he's, but he doesn't make it all the way. Look what he does. He stops at a place. He's gone 70 miles, and he stops at a place called Luz. Look what it says. He came to a certain place, this is verse 11, spent the night there because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of, of the place, put it under his head, and lay down on that place. That sounds awful uncomfortable to me when you first think about it. And by the way, Luz is, he's traveling 70 miles. That's a long way to go. I mean, that may be several days. That's probably not just, you know, he's making the trek back. And so he stops and he comes to this place. It's called Luz. Then he's going to change the name of it. He's going to change the name of the place. You know, it's kind of funny that you, you can't always know, like some place was called this and then they changed the name and they called it something else. And then something was called this and they changed the name. This place originally was called Luz. I think I've got, I'm not sure if it's on this map. Let me see if I can. I, 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 my eyes are really bad. I can't read it very well. But anyway, he's, he's traveled about 70 miles until he gets to that place. And as he gets there, he, he, he lays down, puts it. And I think what that means is the stone was a place that he kind of put all this stuff and he's laid on it. And it said this, he had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending. What is going on? He's got a dream. Oh, I've got it right here. I forgot about this one. I, I knew, I thought I had a map on. Okay, he left Beersheba, went past Damascus, went past all the way, and he's, got, he's going to Haran, but he stops at Luz. So even that doesn't look like very long, but it's 70 miles. And so he gets there and he has a dream. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. What does that mean? It means he looked and there was a, a ladder going up into heaven and, and what was coming down, the angels of God were ascending and descending. And it's like a dream and he's seeing all this and watch what happens because the Lord comes. Verse 13, and behold the Lord, and that's capital L, look at it, all capitals, right? That's the personal name of God. Whenever you see all four capital letters, you know that's the personal name of God. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of who? Abraham, Abraham and the God of? Why is he saying that? Because he knows that God told Abraham something and God told Isaac something. And now God says, God, Jacob, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac. And he says, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Wow. There's the land. And look what he says. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. Wow. That's the seed. And he says, and uh, you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in you and your descendants, what shall happen? All the families of the world will be what? Blessed. Blessed. Does that sound familiar? How many times does God have to give it to them? How many times does God have to show us that when he makes a promise, what does he do? He keeps it. He said to Abraham, you and your descendants, land seed blessing. His descendants, Isaac. Isaac, to you and your descendants, land seed blessing. He comes to Jacob and says, Jacob, to you, land seed and blessing. When God makes a promise, he always keeps his promises. And so God comes to him and gives him the blessing. So now it's twice in a row. And, and so what is God doing? He is passing on the blessing to Jacob. 13 and 14, your descendants will be with us. And so what's the three parts again? Land, seed, 
and blessing. It's always there. It's always there. And, and so he says, I will give the land to your offspring. In verse 14, the descendants will, will be, that's the seed. And then the blessing, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So that's the land and the seed and the blessing. And that's what God does. And, and by the way, um, what, did, um, what did Abraham do to get the land, the seed, the blessing? Nothing. What did Isaac do to get the land, the seed, and the blessing? What's Jacob done to get the land, the seed, and the blessing? Nothing. It's called grace, isn't it? Is it pretty much through the Bible that God deals with people in grace? I mean, uh, if we looked at Abraham and said, Abraham, you did pretty good, but then you did pretty bad. You don't deserve this. Well, it's not what you deserve. It's the grace of God. Well, look at Isaac. Well, Isaac, you, you did the same thing as your daddy did, and you did. You actually disobeyed God, doing, and you don't do, but you're going to get it. And Jacob, you lied and did this, and, this, and guess what? You're still going to get it. God is a God that when he makes a promise, he keeps his promises. Notice, Jacob has done nothing. In God's grace, he gets the covenant blessings. That's what happens. And so in verse 15, it goes on. He says, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land, for I don't leave you until I have done what I have promised you. You know what he just said? You're going to be gone. I'm going to be with you when you're there. I'm going to be with you when you come back. You're going to be gone, and you're going to come back. He can't stay in Iran. Why? It's not the what? Say it. It's not the land. Just remember that. He could go to Haran and find... What if he went to Haran and found Rachel and said, I don't think I'm ever going back there. I like it here. What's, why does God make this promise before he ever gets there? To remind him, this is the land, the seed, and the blessing. This is where it happens. And that's what we got to remember. So Jake, God says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do this. So for Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, the land, the seed, the blessing, the Messiah comes and salvation to the entire world through the Messiah. This is what we see. And so look at verse 17. Uh, well, verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep. And what did he say? Woo, surely the Lord, all capitals, is in this place, and I know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. You remember John on the island of Patmos? He got taken up into heaven, and Jacob looks up, and he can look up and see angels going up and down. And boy, this is... Um, amazing. And so what does he do? How does he respond? He's going to worship God. He was so, so Jacob rose up early in the morning, took the stone that had been under his head, set up a pillar and poured all oil on top of it. The pillar uh, could, could be something like where somebody was buried. It could be a place of worship. It could just be a boundary. But this is a place of worship. And look what he does. He calls this place what? So uh, he called him that Bethel, which Bethel means what? house of God. He says, he called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been called what? Luz. But he changed the name of it. He says, no longer Luz. It's Bethel. It's, by the way, just Bachet El. El is the name for God and Bet is Bachet, which is the word for house. House of God. That's why Bethlehem. Bachet Lahem. Lahem means bread. Bachet means house. House of bread. 
So when you, you know, you see how they, how they came up with these names. And, and so Jacob responds to God in, in worship and, and grace. And so what is our response to the grace of God? Does he deal with you and me in grace? If he didn't, what would happen to us? We'd all be dead. Just understand that. He's so good. He's so good. What is our response? Is to worship him. Okay, well, wow, we're, uh, we're rolling along, and we think, man, uh, Jacob, you, you got it made, son. Yeah, you, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, and Abraham the great man that had land seed blessing, Isaac land seed blessing. Uh, even Isaac told you you're going to have land seed blessing, and now God says you're going to have land seed blessing. And don't go out there and stay out there. You've got to come back because this is the land seed blessing. So he says, I, this is going to be fine. So now, here's the next part. They're going to be meeting Rachel and Laban. And this is ready to go. Look at chapter 29, verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey, and he came to the land of the sons of the east. And so he's there. He's there. And he looked, and he saw a well of, in the field. And beyond, there were three flocks of sheep laying around beside it. For that was the well that they watered the flocks. Now the stone on the mouth of the well was large. Now what they get there, there's this well. And here's the best we can understand. Different people are coming with their animals to water. But they had a kind of a deal that everybody needs to get there before somebody or two or three people remove the rock and let people water their animals so the water can come out of the well. And that's their plan. And Jacob gets there to, to find out what's going on. And so he, he, he doesn't know. And by the way, um, we're going to see as we go through this passage, Jacob the deceiver gets deceived. Uh, Derek Kidner, who wrote a commentary on the, on the book of Genesis, says, Jacob meets his match, one who deceives even better than he does. Who is that? Laban. Laban. Do you like Laban? No, we don't like him. We don't like him. So he goes to Haran, and look what verse 21 says. Jacob went on his journey. If you, if you notice the word went, you might have a Bible that has a little thing at the bottom, and it says, he lifted up his feet. This is what we might say. He's got a spring in his step. He's pretty happy, right? I, I got land seed, blessing. I'm okay. My brothers are gone from me. I don't have to worry about him. I'm going all the way out here. I'm going to get me a wife. And God says, I'm going to bring you back here. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. Everything is going great. And so he got there, and he saw the place where they water. And apparently, uh, that the, the local custom would be this. Look at verse 3. When the flocks were gathered there, then they rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the sheep and then put the stone back in and it's placed on the mouth of the well. So if you got there early, what did you do? You just waited until everybody else got there and then they uh, fixed the well where everybody could get the water. Well, watch what happens. Verse 4. Jacob said to them, he saw them hanging around. He said, my brothers, where are you from? And they said, we're from where? Haran, where is he supposed to go back to? Haran, so he's pretty close. And he says to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, yeah, we know him. Who is Laban? That's his uncle, right? He said, do you know Laban? And he said to them, is it well with him? How are things going with Laban? Well, let me just tell you, it, it, almost everything's going to be well with Laban because he's going to figure out a way to make sure he gets taken care of. That's Laban. 
Uh, he's he's kind of the he's he's the he's a better trickster than Jacob. And he said to him, "Is it well with him?" And they said, "It is well." Here is Rachel, his daughter, coming out with the sheep. So it's just now Laban's daughter, Rachel, is just now showing up. Now when she gets there, they're all still going what? They got to wait till everybody gets there till they un do that. And so he raised and said, do you know Laban? Yeah, I know Laban. Yeah. Uh, he's found people. And we say, wow, this is great. And here comes Rachel. Look at verse 7. He said, behold, it's still high day. It's not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, no, 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 we can't do that. We cannot until all the flocks are gathered. And then they roll a stone away from the mouth of the well and water the sheep. So Jacob actually says, just water the sheep and y'all go back and do whatever you're supposed to do. And they said, oh, no, we can't do that. We have to wait till everybody gets here before they do that. And, he, and you can almost see Jacob going, that's stupid. Why would you wait till everybody else gets here? So here comes Rachel. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And <clears throat> so he sees her. And, you know, in that day and time, uh, they, their outfits, their clothes. Sometimes uh, girls, especially if they were out where there were men, their faces were covered or their, at least where they could see or who knows. But she's out with sheep, so she may look pretty normal and she may not have a veil on because she's out in the field. She's out there, so there's no telling what she looks like. So look what he does. Then Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother. He said, oh, wow, wow, wow. And the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up, and he rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. He went over and said, you need some water, baby? Here, let me get this thing open for you. Here, let's get you some water. She's going, who is this guy? Uh, he Obviously, he ain't from around here, right? I mean, that's what they, so, and so he, he took charge. And he rolled away the stone. Watch. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. Now, let's don't get too excited about the kiss, okay? Because it wasn't like a kiss on the lips. It was most likely kissing on the side, saying, I'm your relative, I'm your relative, I'm your relative. He's probably thinking, this is really good to be this close to her, though. You know, because he, he guaranteed you she was pretty. The Bible says she was really pretty. And so we're going to talk about it. And, and so he tells her who he is. He said, and so what did she do? She runs to tell her father. Who's her father? Laban. And we already know when Isaac's servant went out there to get Rebekah, we already know what kind of man Laban is. As soon as Laban saw the gold, the bracelets and the rings, and he thought, man, I, this is money, and this is what we want. And so look what happens, verse 13. So when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son. Now let me ask you something. What does Laban know about Rebekah and this family back here? They're rich. He knows they're rich. Abraham was rich. Isaac is rich. Jacob's going to be rich. He knows that. So he's going, this is good. Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son. He ran to meet him, embraced him, and kissed him, and brought him into his house. He, then he related to Laban all these things. He said, Laban, I'm supposed to come out here, and uh, I've got to marry I gotta marry somebody. Uh, that, that's my plan. That's my plan. Jacob meets the family. Everything's looking so good. And then look what happened. Laban said to him, "Wow, verse fourteen, you're my bone and my flesh." He says, "You're my family," and he stayed with him how long? A month. 
Do you remember how long did his mama, how long did Jacob's mama think he was going to stay? A few days. A few, well, first of all, it's going to take a while to get there. I mean, it's not like it, you know, they got there in a day and a half. No, it's been a good while. And so now we're going to meet the daughters. But Jacob could say this, I, I don't care about meeting anybody else. I already found the one I want. So watch what happens. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you're my relative, uh, should you just serve me for nothing? You've been here for a whole month. Tell me, what should your wages be? Uh, I, I, I just can't have you serving and helping and, and doing all of that. Jacob stays to work. Jacob's helping while living with Laban. And Laban says, it doesn't seem fair that you, just because you're my relative, that you work for nothing. So what do you want? Well, Jacob uses this as a great idea. Now, <clears throat> verse 16. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Now, let me read this to you and don't, don't get upset. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. Okay, so what we find out is there are two daughters. There's the older one, and the name Leah actually means wild cow. Now, that's not a bad name, Okay. Okay, and Rachel means a female sheep. That's what it means. And the older and the younger. Now, does that sound familiar to do? Older, younger? I mean, this is what had been going on in this family here, the older and the younger. Now we got an older and a younger. And he describes and says that Leah had sad eyes. That Well, some it says Leah's, my Bible says Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful. Listen, it does not mean that she wasn't pretty. It does not mean anything negative. It actually has an idea that she was soft and delicate. You've met people that when they smile at you, their just eyes are just so pretty. I mean, they just, they're not strikingly beautiful. They're just sweet and kind. I think that's, I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about Leah. Because I don't think she was ugly at all. I think she was pretty. I think if the idea has the idea that she was plain and soft and delicate. But Rachel, Rachel was striking. She was beautiful in form, that's figure, and face. She was just a striking person. She was just a beautiful person. And, uh, boy, he immediately thought, wow, wow, this is this is what I want. And so what did Jacob say? So Leah's eyes were weak. They were plain. They were, they were, they were soft. But Rachel, Rachel was beautiful in form and face. Now Jacob loved Rachel. How long has he been there? <clears throat> About a month. Do you think it took him a month? Yep. Question. Oh, re- okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't have any idea who could have typed that in there. But the person who typed it in there does everything else perfectly. So let me just tell you that. Uh, and then I'm not talking about me. Okay, so what's it supposed to say? Rachel what? Means. Okay, y'all got that? It doesn't mean Rachel. Tra- Le- Leah means what? Wow. Wild cow. Rachel means? Uh, 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 you know, and Leah had kind eyes. Rachel was strikingly beautiful. What does Jacob say? Look at verse 17. Leah's eyes were weak, and Rachel was beautiful of form. Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you... Wow, boy, I would have said like six months or something. I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Seven years. Now, let me tell you, you think Mama back home is wondering what happened? You know? I think what he was saying, she, she, she's so beautiful that I will do whatever it takes for seven years. I'll, I'll do it. 
What did Jacob say he would do to marry Rachel? He will work and stay at the end of seven years. Jacob will marry her. Think about that, y'all. Seven years before you get to marry. You might think, why don't I marry her and then I work for seven years? That's not how I work. You work here for seven years and then you get to marry her. Wow. Boy, he has it bad. And so, look what happened. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than any other man, so just stay with me. Verse 20, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Wow. They seemed to be just a few days. Why? Because they, they spent time together. He served out of love. He was saying, I'm doing this because I know one day we'll get to be together. And by the way, uh, and you could write some of that down. You don't have to, to do that. Uh, the, the days, the seven years seemed like a few days. Why? Because he loved her. Because they spent time and it just seemed like a, But here's the great point. How, 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 this is the way we're supposed to serve God, right? We don't serve God by saying, oh, I've got to work on the nursery. Oh, gosh, I've got to go up there and do this. I, they called us and we need help moving stuff. We've got to go do this. Or, oh, I have to. No, we should say, I get to. I get to serve the living God. Wow. Uh, sometimes we forget who we're serving. We're not serving each other. Although we do serve each other. Ultimately, as, as Paul writes in Colossians, whatever you do, do it as serving the Lord and not people. So now, time is up. How long has passed? Seven years. Oh, this is going to be great. Can you imagine after about year five, he's thinking it's getting close. Year six, it's getting really close. Toward the end of this one, they're probably talking about, I can hardly wait. Yeah, I can hardly wait. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to have what a great life we're going to have. And he's probably told her, and guess what? Um, <clears throat> you know, as soon as we're married, we've got to go back because the land belongs to me. And, and this, the offspring is going to be from God. And, and there's the blessing for the whole world. And, and this is the promise God gave to Abraham and to Isaac and, and now to me. And so we can't live here forever. You know, I've already been here how long? Seven years. I've been here long enough. My mother is saying, when is he coming back? When is he coming back? And so now it's time for the wedding. Weddings are great. I've done like 300 and like 15 weddings. Uh, they sort of run together. I don't mean a bad, but I mean, I remember some. Some stand out different than others. And sometimes, you know, if you've ever said if, what kind of weird things happened at weddings, I can tell you a few weird things that happened at weddings because in every wedding, something happens. Something happens. That's just, so now we're ready for the big wedding. We've waited now seven years to marry Rachel. This is it. This is what we've waited for. Seven years is really kind of a long time, but it didn't seem that long to him because, uh, you know, it's just being there. So look what happens. So here's the wedding. 29, verse 21. Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my time is completed, that I might go into her. That I, that I may get married, we will be together, all of the good stuff. Give me my wife. So Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. We're going to have the, the big wedding feast. This is going to be really, really a great time. So what happens? Now, in the evening, he took his daughter Leah. Who did? Who did? Laban took his daughter Leah and brought her to him, and Jacob went into her. Wait, 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 wait. Are you stupid? 
Can you not see who this is? What, what, how, look, look about What did Laban do at the end of the wedding feast? He took Leah to Jacob and Jacob. Jacob, what, so what is going on here? Laban, and, and, and in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him, and Jacob went into her. Laban also gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So he gets the daughter and her maid Zilpah. And we're thinking to ourselves, Jacob, what, wait a minute, what, what's wrong with you? I mean, so look what happens. It came back the next morning, behold, it was Leah. What do you mean it was Leah? He didn't know it was Leah? How could he not know it was Leah? Well, uh, was he drunk with all the celebration that he didn't even know what was happening? Or we say that sometimes in customs, they reveal from head to toe, you know, and he couldn't see who it was. And then maybe, you know, they didn't have electric lights. Maybe the other time they got in the tent, they didn't know. I mean, who knows? But he wakes up the next morning, and suddenly it's sad eyes and not Rachel. And uh, this is sort of the shock of your life, I think, because you've worked what? How long? Seven years. Seven years and now you've, you've just gone into, who is it? Who got tricked? Who tricked him? Laban. Wow. For who? For Leah. For Leah. Well, they didn't, I, I don't know why Leah couldn't find anybody in seven years, or, or maybe who know? Huh? Well, she had those sad eyes, and she was named Cal. So who knows? I don't know. But I'm not saying anything. I think she was probably beautiful. Okay. But so here's what happened. So how could, how could this happen? How could this happen? So he wakes up and Jacob, Jacob, think about what happened. Jacob pretended to be his older brother and Leah pretended to be her younger sister. Now, whose idea? What did Leah do? Do you th- did she know what was happening? Of course she knew what was happening. What did her daddy tell her? You're going to go in there and you're going to pretend to be your sister and you get in there and you're going to go to bed with him and we're going to have the feast and when he wakes up in the morning, he'll figure it out. You know? (laughs) This is... Now, let me... Does the Bible cover up anything? It does not. Listen, Jacob... Pretended to be his older brother and fooled his daddy. Leah pretended to be her younger sister and fooled Jacob. The trickster gets what? Tricked. It is. It is. Now, I want you to notice something. Laban's actions affected so many people. Think about this. Look at how they were. First of all, Leah was given to a man that didn't want her. How would you feel if you were Leah? Do you think she had a choice in this? I think her daddy said, you're going in there and that's the way it's going to be. And in that day and time when the daddy said something, the family said, okay. And she was given to a man that didn't want her. She's living a lie. She had to pretend. That's because what Laban did. Guess what else? Rachel was not given to the one she wanted and was commanded to be quiet. Do you think... Rachel knew what was happening? What do you think? Of course. You don't think she's some over in a corner somewhere saying, when is everything going to happen? It's already happened, baby. 
Look at this action. Jacob worked seven years for the wrong woman. And Laban's, what's his character? He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. When we do wrong, it affects a lot of people, not just ourselves. And let me give everybody time to write all that down because that's, that's wild. Laban's action of switching that out uh, affected Leah, Rachel, Jacob, and Laban, all four people. And not counting all the family. And, and Leah uh, had a, a maid, right? That was Zilpah. And we're going to see, Rachel's got a maid. Okay. <clears throat> so what's going to happen? What would you do if you were Jacob? And you woke up the next morning and you realized it was sad eyes. And she's still a beautiful light person, but it's not. It's not. Let me I'll put this up here. Sin is never in a vacuum. It's never in a vacuum. It fits so many people. And by the way, this is the principle <clears throat> of sowing and reaping. Sensible soul and reaping. Guess what the principle is? Number one, <clears throat> so Jacob had deceived others and now it what? Came back on him. Jacob the deceiver had been deceived. And by the way, this is not the only time he's going to be deceived. It's not the only time he's going to be tricked. Because did Jacob live his life tricking people? <clears throat> and now what's happening to him? Getting tricked. And so when you think of the Isaac thought Jacob was Esau. And Jacob thought Leah was Rachel. Wow. It is so amazing. Yeah, I can go back. Right there. Jacob had deceived others. Now it came back on him. Jacob the deceiver became deceived. He gets tricked. He gets fooled. Okay, y'all got it? It's not, it's not a whole lot. Just saying basically, uh, the one who did the deceiving now gets deceived. And then, y'all got it? Okay, then, so Isaac thought Jacob, Isaac thought Jacob was Esau, but now Jacob thought Leah was Rachel. Wow, talk about a surprise. Here's the principle, that the principle of sowing and reaping. Keep going, go back. That's not, it's not a big deal. Okay, Isaac thought Jacob was Esau, and Jacob thought Leah was Rachel. Am I going too fast? I'm, no, we thought... We thought that the previous slide was what we... No, here's this. The principle of sowing and reaping, we, what we put in, we get out. We get out more than we put in. It's always that way. Alan Ross, who was one of my... He was a Hebrew professor at Dallas Seminary, but he was amazing. He wrote a commentary on the book of Genesis. He says, For seven years, Jacob's love for Rachel had grown... And in one night, it was be marred by the substitution of Leah. Changed everything. So what would you do if you're Jacob? Go talk to I think I'd talk to Laban. <laughs> Verse 25. So it came about that morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel I served you? Why have you deceived me? Oh, why have you Jacobed me? <laughs> and Laban says, oh... Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. It's not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. Why didn't you tell me that seven years ago? Why didn't you tell me that? Do you think that's the truth? It's probably a lie. Why did Laban do that? He said, well, that's our custom. That's our custom. What do you, what, you know, I bet you Jacob said, you know what? He's probably thinking, what did my brother say? 
about me? I'm going to what? I'm going to kill you? What does Jacob want to say to Laban? I'm going to kill you for what you've done. But we can solve this. We can solve this. He says, complete the week of this one. You know, because remember the, there was uh, the, the, the ceremony thing and then a whole week and then the marriage went on from there. That's how they did it. It was a week. And that's what we're going to see this when we, on Sunday mornings, we're going through in Grow Group, the Feast of Israel, we're going to go through the wedding feast. And we're going to find out why it was a week. How does that tie together? So anyway, he says, uh, complete the week of this one and we'll give you the other also for the service which you shall serve me for what? Another seven years. Well, he wanted to say, well, I didn't want to serve seven years for Leah. You're telling me now uh, to get to keep Rachel, I got to get married to her now in a week so I'll have two wives, but then I've still got to work another seven years before I complete the deal. Complete the week, wedding feast, celebration seven days, I'll give you Rachel. And then you can work for seven more years. Wow. Verse 28, so Jacob did so and completed her week. And he gave him his daughter, Rachel, as his wife. Laban also gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. So, listen, we got Bilhah and Zilpah and Leah and Rachel. And Jacob has two wives and two maids. Those four women. Those four women will produce the nation of Israel. These four women. Not these two women. All four women will be the nation of Israel. The twelve tribes come from these four women. And we're going to see them. Two of them are main daughters and two of them are maids, servants. And that all comes together. So Jacob has what? Two wives and two handmaids. And that's where we are. And, and listen, this is God. In all of the trickery and all of the messing around, uh, God's going to do what he's going to do. What does Jacob do? He serves Laban for seven more years. So Jacob went into Rachel also. And indeed he loved Rachel. Oh, what happens when you put two women with one man? Jacob went into Rachel and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban for another seven years. Do you think Leah knew that Jacob loved Rachel and not her? Of course. What kind of daddy says, I'm going to marry you off to somebody that doesn't love you at all and loves your sister, and I'm going to put you both in the same family? He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. God will do what he plans even when man sins and fails. What's wrong with polygamy? Joseph Smith thought it was right. There are a lot of cults throughout history that think it's okay. The problem with polygamy, you can't be one flesh with two people. There's always conflicts and troubles. And there's always favoritism. It's the way it is.
So he's got Rachel and Bilhah. He's got Leah and Zilpah. And they're all together. And he's going to serve another seven years. How long is he going to be there now? Fourteen years. His mother said he's just going to be gone for how long? A few days. He's a few days. Notice this. Jacob came to get a wife and he got two wives. And Jacob planned to stay a short time and he spent over 20 years. Verse 30. So Jacob went into Rachel and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban for another seven years. At the sad part, the sad part is Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. So who's, who's got the bad end of this deal? No, every one of them. Rachel has a sister who is married to her husband. And they don't get along. And she's married to somebody who doesn't love her. She's married to somebody who loves her, but she's got this conflict. And she's got a father who is willing to give her away like this. And poor Leo's got the same thing. And Jacob is stuck with four women. Two wives and four women. And what does he know? That land, seed, blessing. And he's already going to stay there for 14 years. And uh, so watch what happens. Verse 31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. Do you know what the Hebrew word there for? It's the word hated. Now it doesn't mean hated like we say so, like I hate this person. It's Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. And that means I chose one above the other. That's what that means. And it says here, when the Lord saw that Leah was unchosen, she wasn't the one that Jacob wanted, what did he do? He opened her room. But Rachel was barren. Now, uh, that Hebrew word is, is hated. Uh God opened Rachel's, uh, Leah's womb, but Rachel was barren. God opens the womb, and God closes the womb. Now, let me ask you something. What had Rachel done that maybe she should, that, that she didn't have babies? I don't, I don't think anything. Can you think of anything? Leah's going to have babies, but Rachel can't. And Leah's going to go, I've had babies, but you can't. And if I have enough babies... Maybe he'll love me more than he loves you. And if you think I'm making that up, we'll see when the babies start coming. See what she says. Wow. All right, let's get some applications, and then we can have a quiz, and then we can open up for questions or anything. Here's that. Let's understand that God deals with us in grace. How does he deal with Abraham? Grace. grace. Isaac. Jacob, the old deceiver, how did he deal with him? Great. Great. He, even, he even gave him the pretty wife. But he also got one that wasn't quite as pretty. Let's just put it that way. Or whatever you want to say. I think she was special. And, 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 but he, he, how's God going to deal with Jacob? It's all grace. How does he deal with us? What does he give us the moment we believe? Does he have to do that? Did he have to promise us eternal life? Did he have to promise to save us? Did he say, oh, y'all are so good. I've decided to save you. No, everything, everything is the grace of God. Number two, let's respond to God in worship. What did Jacob do when he came to 
the place Bethel. He named it the house of God. The, the ladder going up and down. What did he do when he realized that God said, you got the land, the seed, and the blessing? What did he do? Worship, worship God. What do we do? How do we respond? We talked about worship as responding to God. As you sing, as you pray, as you give, as you study, all of those things, all of those are acts of worship. We do acts of worship, respond to God. We're thankful for God's grace to us in Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. The third one. Y'all ready? You don't have to write all that down. You just, just realize that worship is responding to God. That's all it is. And we're thankful for everything that God has done for us. I'll give you a second if you want to write a little bit more before we get to number four. Huh? Huh? Oh, we hadn't done three yet? Oh, oh. Is there really a three? Okay, there it is. There it is. Okay, let's serve God in love. I moved my page too fast. How did Jacob serve to get Rachel in love? It seemed like a what? A few days. It's a short time. And when we serve God, how do we serve him? Out of love or out of fear? See, here's what the deal is. Anytime a person grasp the grace of God and you understand that the moment you believe in Jesus you are saved and you're saved forever and it's not based on your faithfulness then you serve God out of love for what he's done but if you don't understand uh, the the security and the assurance that God has for us then you're going to be serving God out of fear. You're going to say, I better keep doing this. I don't want to lose my salvation. I better keep doing this. I want to make sure I'm saved. And I've known people all my life that say, oh, I just, you know, if you were to die, will you go to heaven? Oh, I hope so. I'm trying so hard. You don't try. It's not up to you. God in his grace gives you eternal life, and you can serve him out of what? Love rather than fear. And then here's number, uh, so love for God, his creation, his redemption for us, the salvation, all of those things and, uh, that God does for us. And, of course, you don't have to write all that down if you don't want to. Are we ready for number four? Yeah, okay, here it is. Let's realize that we reap what we sow. We do. Here's A, what we put in, we get out. Jacob was a deceiver. What happened to him? He got deceived. Hey, what's going to happen, do you think, to Laban? He's going to get what's coming to him. You'll see it. We're gonna, we'll see it. Uh, he, he gets deceived. Guess what? Deceivers get what? Deceived. That's right. Whatever you put in, you get out. And uh, Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that's you also reap. If you sow from the negative, you get out negative. If you sow for the positive, you get out the positive. That's what it is. If you live for the flesh, there's nothing. And if you live in the Spirit, there's rewards and all that kind of thing. It just comes together. Here's B. I think, I think it's all in the same. No, it's not. Let me make sure. Did y'all get it written down yet? What we put in, we get out. Galatians 6, 7. That's just what happens. We reap what we sow. The old thing of whatever you put in, you get out. Computer in, computer out, all that stuff. That's true in life. And it's God's principle. And it's a principle whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. It doesn't matter. We don't even know, we don't know whether Laban is a believer or not. We have no idea whether he is or not. All we know is he's a relative. He may or may not be one, but who knows. And then here's B, our actions not only affect ourselves, but others as well. What Laban did affected Laban and Rachel and Leah and Jacob, and really it affected 
the whole rest and, and all of these offspring coming out of here, it affected every one of them too. Listen, we, you don't think that what you do doesn't affect anything. Uh, Laban's deception affected Leah, Rachel, Jacob, the rest of history. The rest of history. 